Welcome to Sunshine State Takes, everyone. This is Matt McConnell with my co-host, Brandon Carroll, and we are back after a quick hiatus. It was Thanksgiving break. It was a holiday. We had family in town, a lot of stuff going on, but we are back, and we have quite a bit to catch up on here as, uh, you know, the NFL went crazy with COVID protocols. The Ravens got hit with an outbreak, uh, and that ended up messing up some of their stuff, and we've seen a lot of schedule changes as a result, as well as, uh, you know, BYU and Coastal Carolina just announced a big matchup. So we're going to tell you all you need to know about that, as well as our Sunshine State takes game of the week, Titans versus Browns. Brandon, it's been a while. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I was kind of upset that we weren't able to get in the Thanksgiving preview show that me and you had talked about on our previous podcast. Yeah. However, you know, with everything going on with the holidays, it kind of can kind of be difficult to be able to carve out some time with just us to be able to get into, uh, you know, some storylines that are really uh, big in, in sports right now, which is obviously football. But we're back. We're ready to go. And uh, I'm excited to talk about what we have today. This is going to be a college slash NFL show for the first time since we started splitting it up. And that's because, you know, as we get into the beginning of finals week of school, it can be difficult to find time to be able to do two shows. So therefore, we're right. just going to mesh it all into one and hopefully uh, you'd be able to save some time by doing that. Yeah, we're looking really forward to it. Um, you know, we got some good content lined up. A lot's gone down in this past two weeks, so we're going to cover a lot of it. We're going to tell you guys everything you need to know. So we're going to get into our intro and see you guys on the flip side. Welcome back to the best, best podcast on the market in Sunshine State Takes. I'm Brandon Carroll alongside Matt McConnell. And after a slight break due to Thanksgiving and the holiday, uh, we're, we're getting back into it today. And with that, Matt, what's on your mind? Yeah, uh, so before I get into that, first off, um, big night on social media. I think Tuesday it was. We had Spotify's 2020 Wrapped come out and... I'm sure you saw it all over social media. Uh, literally everyone had something to post. feel like I learned a lot about everyone that night in terms of their music tastes and whatnot. Uh, but I just want to give a quick thank you to anyone that by any chance had our podcast, Sunshine State Takes, in their top five podcasts. I know there were a few of you. That's awesome to us, and it's very cool to see. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Um, getting into what's on my mind there was, a, there was a trade that went down in the NBA recently. Uh, Russell Westbrook, who spent a year in Houston with his old teammate from the Thunder, James Harden, is now out. He is going to Washington to play with Bradley Beal. Uh, and John Wall is coming over 
to Houston. Uh, John Wallace spent a couple years hurt, uh, but you know, a few years ago when he was healthy in the early part of the decade, uh, I'm sure we're all more uh, than aware of what John Wall is capable of and his electric playmaking ability as a scorer. And now he gets to go play uh, with with potentially with Harden in Houston. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this trade and you know the future for both the Rockets and the Wizards? Well, I obviously want to start off by saying it was a short-lived run between Westbrook and Harden. Uh, obviously, that re- reunification from those Thunder days last year in Houston was something that a lot of people looked at, and there are kind of mixed emotions about it. Some people right. thought there's no way the two can you know coexist given both of their dominant, uh, you know, th- th- having to have the ball in their hand uh, at m- many points of the game. However, um, you know, they-, they were able to get to the playoffs, didn't do much with it. And, you know, they're just looking for some change. Obviously, with Mike D'Antonio, um, or D'Antoni, I forget, whatever. Um, with him, you know, leaving the Rockets head coaching staff, or uh, coaching staff as their head coach, there was some change going on there. And uh, be, being able to go out and get a guy like John Wall for Russell Westbrook, who didn't really even want to be there at this point, is it, huge. And I think a big part of this trade is people saying, oh, there's really neither team that won this. However, I do think that Houston is the team that won this simply because you're going to get John Wall in a fresh start. And you, like you said, yep. we know what he can do. And obviously, coming going back to his days at Kentucky, John Wall has been dynamic when he has been healthy. Uh, you know, as one of the obviously not one of the best players in the NBA, but one is the one of the top. He's he's had his moments. He's had his time to shine, and I think he rekindles that. Uh, if he can, you know, stay on the court there in Houston. I feel like uh, John Walls, like the Eastern Conference is Damian Lillard in a sense. Um, but another thing that's interesting is this is a Rockets team that also went out and brought in DeMarcus Cousins and Christian Woods. So they've made some splashes throughout this offseason. Now they uh, now they ship out Westbrook, who, you know, can sometimes be a bit of a ball hog and a self-centered player, and they bring in John Wall, who – for years was playing in Washington where there wasn't the best roster around him to begin with. And he's one of those guys that, you know, never really complained and all, you know, always showed up and, you know, just played given the circumstances. And now he finds himself in a much better situation with James Harden. So, uh, you know, this is a Rockets team that's just looking for anything to get over that hump in the Western conference. They couldn't get past the Warriors in previous years. Now, last year, they weren't able to get past the Lakers. It's always the top, the top dog in the West that the Rockets can never get past. And now, uh, you know, with a fresh start for John Wall, we might see that uh, come to reality this year. Obviously, we have to see how John Wall plays when he's healthy again. But uh, if he can return back to where he was a few years ago in, you know, the early and middle part of this decade or past decade, um, you know, the Rockets can be pretty, pretty dangerous. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see how the Wizards turn out as well i think at this point a lot of nba fans have lost faith in russell westbrook um i've even seen a lot of people say that uh you know the the 2017 mvp award was kind of a joke i personally don't think so i think given the circumstances of katie leaving and and whatnot westbrook had one of the best seasons of his career that year especially with all those triple doubles and whatnot i thought it was a well-earned award but since then he has taken uh, a step back a lot of people even calling him westbrook so uh, with him being shipped over to Washington, playing with Bradley Beal and whatnot, I, I think there's definitely, you know, between Westbrook and John Wall in terms of who has to prove more on their new team, 
it's definitely Russell Westbrook. I think the I think the expectations will be higher for Westbrook in Washington than they will be uh, for Wall in Houston because um, Wall will have the security blanket of James Harden, which um, I think there are a lot of NBA players who would love to be paired up with James Harden for that very reason. He's a guy that can bail you out with his uh, you know three point shooting ability and uh, all the ball handling moves he possesses. So. Um, I think Russell Westbrook's definitely in that position where he's the one who has to prove that um, he can turn this Washington Wizards team around, whereas John Wall is in a position where he has a lot of breathing room to kind of get back on track and get back to where he was because of who's around him. Definitely, and I think we saw, you know, we're seeing two guys move on to new dynamic duos. We're seeing Wall and Harden and Westbrook and Beal, but the obviously... I think what we see from Westbrook and Beal is very intriguing, yet I don't know how it fits. Obviously, Bradley Beal is a guy that, uh, without John Wall this year, he was putting up some numbers that we haven't seen of him since he really got into the league. Obviously, he's been consistent, but he was putting up first-team All-Pro numbers, uh, you know, be as uh, that number one guy on the Wizards. And getting Westbrook in, obviously, him having the track record of being a bit of a ball hog, it's going to be difficult for them to coexist on the same team, similar to how we were looking at it with Harden and Westbrook last season. And so it's going to be a, a, a tough road for that Wizards squad, but if they can get it figured out, they have some pieces that they can build off of. I don't think this is going to be anything that changes their dynamic in terms of being able to make it far into the East or even into the playoffs in the East. However, that Eastern Conference is still not regarded in the same light as the Western Conference, right. giving them more of a leniency period to get it figured out and make that push towards the postseason. On the flip yeah. side, with Houston, we have John Wall and James Harden, where obviously, like I said, John Wall isn't uh, he is getting a fresh start. He's getting to be able to play with James Harden, and he's getting to utilize those 9.2 assists that he's had averaged over his career with a guy that can right. knock him down with the best of them. So that number should go up. We should see a bit more uh, efficiency from John Wall, and I think with that, with those two players together, we see the Rockets elevated immediately because no. of what you know the both skill sets, what they're both able to do. They're, they can both score, and John Wall can really feed James Harden uh, when he is off ball, which is kind of going to be a, a weird thing to see if that is the dynamic that the new head coach does, yeah. you know, try to accomplish. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's certainly going to be interesting. And the NBA season is nearing fast. I believe we're 19 days away. I think it starts on the 22nd. So uh, Rockets Wizards, uh, you know, the deal is done. Westbrook is a Washington Wizard and John Wall is a Houston Rocket. Brandon, what is on your mind for today? Well, uh, obvious, if obviously, uh, if you guys haven't uh, really gotten to know me, know me through this podcast, I have been a LeBron James supporter from the big really obviously I was three when he came into the league but from when I started to understand basketball I started to really enjoy LeBron James and it is a major reason because of that is because my family is from Ohio um, obviously in Ohio when he was playing with the Cleveland Cavaliers the first go-round he was the icon of that uh, entire state um, and because of that I want to talk about a little bit about him and Anthony Davis signing extensions with the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron getting a two-year $85 million extension, 
Anthony Davis coming in with a $190 million deal contract for five years with the max contract. And so you got two guys that you're solidifying, two guys that led you to a finals appearance and possibly and victory and possibly one of the most difficult seasons that we've seen of any sports league in quite some time or even ever. So they're anchoring down those two guys. They've added some key role players. And because of that, the Lakers are on, in my opinion, are on a crash course to repeat as the NBA champions next season. Yeah, I mean, it it certainly seems that way. Uh, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis were the driving force of that NBA championship this past year, and now they're back and locked in. Uh, and, you know, the Lakers made some other additions throughout this offseason, such as bringing in a guy like Dennis Schroeder to come in and come off the bench. That is a, I think that is an addition that is just absolutely huge for the Lakers because uh, his style of play is something that they're looking for you know, a, a consistent guy off the bench, you know, maybe someone who can be that consistent third score. Obviously, Danny Green is no longer around. He he went to the Sixers, I believe. So he has a new home and uh, Dennis, in comes Dennis Schroeder. And I, I think that's another good addition for them as well. So with John Wall going to the Rockets and, uh, you know, the Lakers locking down their guys, you know, the, the Western Conference just continues to flex its muscles and, and beef up. Um, you know, you have teams like the Nuggets and, jazz and mavericks in there as well who are all up and coming contenders for that western conference title it's going to be uh, you know it's going to be a, a wrestling match in the western conference this year especially in a short in season so it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top but i certainly agree with you in terms of uh you know the favorite it, it has to be the lakers for the second year in a row Absolutely. And I think the biggest part, which we'll talk about when we start getting into uh, the NBA a bit more, is that this season we're looking at the Lakers as a team with depth on their bench. Last year, that was a concern going into if this if it would have been played throughout the year, if the bubble wouldn't have happened, if COVID wouldn't have really changed the complexion of the NBA season. Could they hang with the likes of the a Clippers bench who was you know, they, they could go 10, 12 deep and be just fine while the Lakers didn't have that luxury. Right. However, now they add Dennis Schroeder, Mar- Dennis Schroeder Marcus Gasol, uh, even Montrez Harrell from the Clippers, who played a vital role in the Clippers being able to do what they were able to do, um, you know. And so I think because of that, we're seeing the Lakers not only hold two of the best players in the NBA right now in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but we're also seeing them with one of the most dynamic benches yeah. in the entire league. Making I them forgot about ma- I forgot about Montrez Harrell. Making, that's, yeah, it, it's it's that's an even bigger addition than Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, so th- because of that, they are they they're set, and yeah. I don't think there's really if they play the way they should play, there's not a team that can compete with them. Uh, in terms of the starting five and the bench, because you're yeah. gonna have uh one of Anthony Davis, Marcus Saul, or Montrez Harrell coming off and playing at the center position. That paint should be locked down because all yep. three of them uh, can play defense at a high level. Marcus Saul can score. He he's taken over that Gasol name in purple and gold, and so we're gonna see this Los Angeles team maybe look even better than they did last year. And and something to keep in mind is that they won the finals. How? Because yep. a team that won got better, and it's just yep. it, because of that, it's going to be a uh, interesting NBA season to say the least, given the yep. shortened season. But the Lakers should be nothing short of spectacular yep. and fun to watch next year. And we know it's much easier to repeat in the NBA than it is, you know, in the NFL or the MLB or the NHL. So yeah, um, it, it's 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 December, nineteen days out from opening opening tip off, and. Uh, 
there's no it's the it's the Lakers championship to lose, you know? Yeah, for sure. So um we're gonna get into the meat of the show now and we're gonna go and visit there's a lot to talk about with the NFL COVID protocols, I think. There's just been so much going on in the past two weeks. Uh, a few things. The 49ers now have to go play their home games in Arizona because Santa Clara County banned all contact sports due to a rise in cases. So the San Francisco 49ers have been kicked out of San Francisco. Uh, but like I said, uh, their stadium's technically located in Santa Clara, which I believe is, I think, like an hour an hour drive south of San Francisco. I'm not sure exactly. It's either south or north of San Francisco, but it's a little bit of a drive. Uh, but either way, they're out, and they got to go play in Arizona. Um, obviously, we all know what happened with the Ravens-Steelers game. Uh, it was supposed to kick off on Thanksgiving night. That was a game we were going to preview last Wednesday. It got postponed all the way up until yesterday at 3.40 p.m. Um, the reason I had to play at such a weird kickoff time is because New York City was lighting the Christmas tree later at night, and NBC wanted to cover that. So uh, Ravens Steelers got the short end of the stick. It was quite the ugly game, but Trace McSorley, the GOAT, came in and threw a touchdown pass uh, to Marquise Brown, who I dropped from my fantasy team because he's done nothing all year. So thanks a lot for that. I now fall to five and seven uh, on the same track as the Chicago Bears. And then lastly, is the NFL going to bubble for playoffs? Uh, that's what a lot of people are pushing for, but Goodell says no. Uh, quoting Goodell specifically here, he says, uh, we feel strongly that our protocols are working. He also came out and said, I don't see us doing a bubble in the sense a lot of the media focuses on it. We may look at different ways to reduce the risk of personnel that would limit exposure to others. Um he also said, hold on, let me pull it up. He's, we also said we have been discussing how we would proceed in the postseason if there were multiple positive tests. He said, we'll be prepared for that, considering a number of alternatives to deal with that. So Goodell, uh, he's doubling down on his COVID protocols. He believes they are working. Um, you know, And if you really think about it, there have only been two major outbreaks, and the NFL has done a pretty solid job of uh, you know, moving the schedule around and making the most of it. So, uh, Brandon, here we are. Uh, week 12 just concluded yesterday. It was a long week of the NFL, uh, the longest week in NFL history, I believe, which featured the first Wednesday game since 2012 and only the second Wednesday game of the Super Bowl era. And we have all these headlines out about, you know, NFL COVID protocols. And, uh, you know, as the playoffs get closer, a lot of us are starting to have more questions about how the playoffs are going to work. What are, you know, your thoughts on some of these NFL COVID protocols at this point? Uh, specifically, like, you know, do you think Goodell has a good grasp on this thing? And do you agree with him doubling down on uh, his confidence in his COVID protocols? I think uh, the protocols are set in place to be able to do some good. I do think that teams are kind of uh, letting their guards slip if that makes sense kind of just letting yeah. their guard down um yeah. at times which is resulting in these outbreaks letting um, their mask down yeah yeah literally <laughs> um however i do think that the nfl while they have seen semi-success probably as much as success as you're gonna have if you're not right. gonna put them in a bubble i do think that the punishments for a team letting this, something like the ravens or the titans or really even the broncos if anything like that right. happens there has to be something put in place to really 
punish them, I should say. Because a lot of the time, this is not because because every other team is working just fine. Obviously, if one case comes in, there could be a trickle-down effect. However, the ones that we've seen with the Titans and the Ravens, obviously the Broncos is, are in their separate category considering it was just one position group. But like the Titans and the Ravens was multiple position groups. It was multiple you know, different people involved. And because of that, we have to take a look at it and be like, okay, are, were they following it correctly? And obviously there has, right. that takes manpower and investigations and such. But I think there needs to be some type of stronger... Uh, that, they need to put their fist down. They need they need to put their yeah. foot down and be like, hey, this cannot happen. They have to do due diligence and able to continue out this season the way that a lot of people want it to happen. Obviously, I want it to happen. You want it to happen. Football right. fans around the world, around the nation want it to happen. And therefore, I think there needs to be a bit more of a stronghold uh, from Goodell and company at the top saying that, uh, you know, not being tyrannical in the way they run things, but being a bit more... Uh, stern with how they handle some of these situations rather than continuously moving games like they did with this Ravens Steelers game. Right. And I think something that's interesting is you have seen teams get punished. Uh, you saw the Raiders lose a draft pick and there was some, maybe the Saints, someone else got punished. Um, and it's funny though, because the two teams that really haven't been punished were the Titans and Ravens. But as a result of the Titans and Ravens, uh, a team that has faced a lot of adversity from what the Titan or from the results of the Titans and Ravens outbreak have been the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's a team that has now been a part of like three or, you know, at this point it's been like 10 different schedule changes for them and probably four moved games. It's, it's just ridiculous. The Steelers have been caught up in the middle of it. And that, that, and that in the form of it is, is, you know, it, it's a, it's a negative externality is what it is. It's basic economics. And it's, you know, the, the Titans and Ravens have these, you know, COVID difficulties and all these positive tests. And, you know, now the Steelers who are just chugging along, minding their own business. Oh, your week four game is now moved to week seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, this national prime time Thanksgiving game, you now got to play it at Wednesday at 3.40 p.m. because the other team couldn't stay healthy. Well, well, the good news is you get to go up against Robert Griffin the third, though. Hold on. You this it wasn't this game gets moved from Thursday to Wednesday. It was this game gets moved to Sunday. This game gets moved to Tuesday. This game's moved to Thursday. Right. Wednesday. Yeah. So it's a continuous right. continual process. I feel like if they yeah, have exactly. to, if there's a need, I kind of just, I kind of yeah, yeah, no, I know if there's a need to change it more than once, the other right. team should not be able to play it. They they should have to take their loss and move on. Because yeah. I think at the end of the day, that's a problem in protocol. That's that's breaking protocol. That's not right. that that's not a problem yeah. in how it's laid out. That's a problem and how they handled the situation and therefore they should be punished accordingly obviously you mentioned the Raiders I, I having agree. to go through it but at the same time I think it's that something public like that to where it doesn't result in an outbreak is something you know uh, okay a draft pick here is is sufficient however uh, uh, in a sense where this team had literally had over what like a quarter of the roster out of the game including uh, one of their, their their top wide receiver, their top running backs, their top quarterbacks, their top linemen, uh, defense alignment. They they were literally just depleted at almost every single skill position, yep. offensively, and then on the line defensively, even on the line offensively. Yet they have nothing to show for it. No no punishment at all to be able to say like, okay, we like we didn't handle this correctly. We need to continue forward handling it in the way that we you know know that the league has put it out for us. Right. Yet the team that doesn't wear their mask on the sideline is going to be the one that. Gets it's the most stripped from them. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh 
it's broken. But in terms of in terms of Roger Goodell kind of doubling down on his COVID protocol, saying we feel strongly and kind of you know brushing off the bubble, which I'm 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 not going to disagree with him not wanting to do a bubble. I think uh, you know in terms of keeping teams like bubbling teams in hotels and in market for playoffs, I think it's something that'll work. But I want to focus on Roger Goodell just doubling down on his protocols in general because I think it's a very Roger Goodell thing of Roger Goodell to do. I mean, this is a guy we have to remember who suspended Ray Rice only two games for beating a woman in an elevator, but suspended Tom Brady four games on two separate occasions for maybe knowing about deflated footballs. Um, You know, and I I just feel like when it comes to NFL punishments, another good example is, um, you know, Josh Gordon essentially being out of the league for smoking marijuana, but Antonio Brown, who has like, eight different sexual assault counts against him is, uh, you know, currently playing for the Buccaneers. And it's just uh, sometimes you question if Roger Goodell and the NFL has their priorities straight when it comes to punishments and protocol. And uh, are we, are we seeing this with the COVID protocols? I think we are, because like you said, the team that isn't wearing their mask on the sideline gets more of a harsh punishment than uh, the teams that don't follow the protocol correctly, it, causing a butterfly effect of games having to be rescheduled, games having to be moved, and et cetera. And, you know, you, you just kind of sit back and question. It's like, well, does any of it make sense? You know, uh, and, you know, this is why a lot of people don't like Roger Goodell because it's, you know, it's another year and it's another year where uh, Goodell has put some kind of thing in place that just makes NFL fans want to do nothing other than complain so yeah. where's the where's the common ground here where does uh how, how do we make sure it's as safe as possible but also keep you know all the teams and all the fans satisfied i honestly don't know and uh i don't i don't get paid to know which is which is the problem right so i feel like there should have this should have been obviously you continue learning you continue growing in this unprecedented situation but there should have been more they had to have known that stuff like this was going to happen before the season went on. And they had to lay out specific guidelines for punishments, for being able to contain it, for the future of the NFL. If the if a week 12 outbreak with the Ravens, you know what I mean? There had to be yeah. stuff that laid out before the season of ifs. I feel like I could have come up with ifs. That, you know, before the season, like, oh, what if this playoff team, uh, play, team in playoff contention gets uh, Corona and they're not able to perform here? You know what I mean? I feel like there had to be yeah. some some more of hypothetical thinking early on in the season. And now we're kind of looking at it and they're rushing. They're trying to scram to make sure that these things continue to happen so they can have their playoff course uh, as usual. And... I, I'm not sure exactly how both sides can benefit. Uh, obviously, Goodell doesn't want the bubble. Fans think the bubble would be a smooth way to be able to let uh, the playoffs happen, business as usual. Um, but but we really just don't know. We, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, how uh, the, everything can occur smoothly. And at the end of the day, it just all goes with 2020 being, uh, uh, to you have to expect the unexpected. Yeah, I came across this. I was, you know, just looking at NFL COVID stuff last night. I came across this really funny article from the Washington Post. I'm going to read you uh, the title. It says, the thoughtless husks who plunged this NFL season into chaos deserve a public shaming. Uh, I saw this and I was thinking, who, like, who would write this? And I I look, I, you know, I kind of scroll down, look at the author. 
Sally Jenkins is her name and her face fits the description. Like th this is just exactly the type of person you'd expect to write an article like this. And, uh, you know, you know, she, she's, atta she's attacking the NFL COVID protocols, which is fine, but she's just so mean and nasty in the way she does it. Can I, can I read you like, uh, this opening paragraph real quick? Sure. Sure. Okay. So it, it starts off, it says, here we are still living through this damn zombie movie. Only the zombies aren't the living dead. They're the incompetent brain dead and living bodies jerkily animated by their own impervious wants, sightless and hollowed out and capable of self-preservation yet records of havoc and destruction on others. It took just one zombie on the Baltimore Ravens who neglected to cover his nose and mouth with a mask to thereby wreck his own team and with a ripple effect of infection plunging the NFL into organizational chaos. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I just feel like calling them zombies for not wearing their, their masks is, is a is a little harsh and it's just a bit of a, a nasty article. I, un I understand the criticism, but I'm sorry, Sally. I, I just don't... Um, <laughs> I don't think I don't think if I was playing for the Baltimore Ravens and I didn't have a mask on that I would like to be called uh, a zombie. So I understand, but at the same time, you know, um, it's it's basic it's basic human relations. We can be a bit more polite, and uh, you know, a Abraham Lincoln always said to not criticize. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe just maybe just something to keep in mind there, Sally. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a mess and it's interesting and it, it, it's typical Roger Goodell. You know, it's typical. Roger Goodell, it's typical NFL. We've seen countless scandals like this that have just blown up and have been such mess. We've seen, you know, the replacement refs in 2012. We've seen, you know, the whole Flategate scandal. We've seen, uh, you know, their, their marijuana policy, just a whole bunch of things that uh, draw nothing but criticism, it seems like. And here we are with the COVID protocols. We still have, you know, weeks 13 through 17 and playoffs yet to go. There's a long way to go. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but uh, we got we to gotta get moving on here. Uh, to our game of the week. Yes, you want to take it away? Yes, your, sir. Your um, I want to I want to quickly mention before we move on that there I, I was reading through a list of uh, the the NFL's thirty two emergency quarterbacks for each team. Yeah. One of those emergency quarterbacks, obviously, we had to see it last week with Kendall Hinton uh, being at the Broncos' helm. Um, and you know, despite the thirty one to three loss, I applaud Hinton being able to come off the practice squad. Literally, was working as a sales rep a few weeks ago, but we're 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 seeing this weird time of teams having to scramble to be like okay what if this happens and now there is a literally an article that gives each NFL's either a, a specific plan that an NFL team has given or possibilities at uh one and one of our friends of the show appeared on this list that being former he's Georgia from our, uh, wait hold on. he's from our uh, trash trash pile right yes yes that's that being and it's not booger mcfarland it's not booger mcfarland no it's not <laughs> it is actually former georgia bulldogs starting quarterback the one they chose over justin fields jake Fromm, the one who went nine of 12 for 35 yards and a win over kentucky the one who threw three picks against south carolina yep that's Man. the one Josh, Josh Allen doesn't just need to get COVID. He's got to get, he's got to get like all of the above. He's got to get hit by a car. He's got to get run over by a train. He's got to fall off a bridge. He's got to get shot 78 times. Like that's how bad it needs to be for the bills to turn to Jake Fromm. like, if I, if I were the bills, I'm calling EJ Manuel right now. Like I would rather have EJ Manuel be my, I would rather have Thaddeus Lewis be my emergency <laughs> quarterback than Jake Fromm. 
Jake Fromm. I can name all the Mark Bolger. Uh, let's see. Who is some other bad? Todd, Todd Bowman. Todd Bowman. Yeah, the Bills have just had so many. Maybe J.P. Lossman. He, he might have played there. Uh, you know, he's someone that's like a consistent 50 overall in like the early Madden games that I'd still rather have over Jake Fromm. But, uh, you know, it's been a while since we trust Fromm on the uh on, on the pod so uh it's it's good to be back a little bit probably the most normal thing of 2020 i'm getting a little stretched out here just thinking of all the ways i can and the funny thing Jay is feel bad about himself is the funny thing is is that he's currently on their practice squad that means that uh, hold on i'll pull it back up i'm pretty sure that he would have to he, he would be the guy over um let's see josh allen davis webb and Matt Barkley. Yeah. So that's but that a, means uh, all three of them would have to get COVID. And yeah. At least he's not that. That means that means at least he's not the second or third string QB. Yeah. As yeah. long as Josh Allen doesn't you know get hurt or anything. He's in the category of have, he's in the category of Kendall Hinton, where yeah. he played. I guess he played uh, quarterback in college, so I, we'll use him if you want to call it that. <laughs> he took snaps in college. Yeah. He took snaps. That's that, good. Yeah, he uh he tried his best. He 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 did the best he could. Um yeah, good good to be back on the on the uh, show Jake Fromm. We're happy to have you back. It's been a while. Uh, there's just no reason to talk about you cuz you're not playing. You're out there yeah. warming the bench in Buffalo like you should be. So Yeah, dang it. Uh, <laughs> Why couldn't he have stayed at Georgia? Like come on. I know for that, another year. We could have had they, so they much They have they have Jake they had Jake Fromm 2.0 though. Yeah. Well, hey, we could have we could have this like this season when Corona wasn't was going on, we could have just had an off season of just Jake Fromm talk, like no football going on, just Jake Fromm centered yeah. shows, and just yeah. that's what we should have done. We should have just had like we can uh like breakdowns of Jake Fromm at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'm, let's let's get one in there. We gotta we gotta prove to the people why he's awful. Um, <laughs> so right. we'll de- we'll definitely do that at some point. But yeah, there's some Jake Fromm slander. Had to ha- you know, you know how it is here. Um, you know, we don't really get to see our guys anymore, uh, Jake Fromm or Booger McFarland. They, uh, and you know, we do hate on them a lot, but we we do miss you guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, you I know, because when you guys were playing, it gave it gave us more opportunity to meme you guys. Yeah. So exactly. Uh, but you know what? We hope you guys are doing well in retirement or bench warming or whatever it is you're doing. No, Booger's uh, so. doing the countdown <laughs> with uh, Berman right now. Yeah, Berman. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, Berman kind of got a tough go of things because he was the the big ESPN guy for a while, and then I think he got demoted a couple of years ago. But he retired. Uh, he, he found he technically. I thought, so I know he, he he technically retired, and then they realized like, wait, that was a bit because everyone loved NFL Countdown, and yeah. so after like or not Countdown, everyone, uh, Prime Time, everyone loved NFL Prime Time, and so yeah. everyone was like, wait a second. Berman's not there. I'm not going to watch it anymore. So they brought him back. And yeah. I I heard yeah, that. Yeah, they did. And so, you know, they were like, no, Berman, like, you can't leave yet. Because he was so yeah. funny. And just, like, some of the things he yeah. says is just great. Do you uh, – I don't know if you listen to Pardon My Take at all, but they uh, – every Monday after, like, an NFL Sunday slate of games, uh, the guys who host Pardon My Take will do, like, the fastest two minutes in sports. And they play, like, the ESPN primetime music. And, yeah. Uh, 
big cat will just imitate like Berman <laughs> and run through the games. And that's funny. <laughs> it, you just gotta you, you gotta go ahead and give it a listen if you haven't that's yet. Funny. It's it's good stuff. But um and it's a good tribute to Berman. But anyways, um we have our game of the week here. If you're ready to get into I'm it, I'm ready. I am. This is this is gonna be a good one. The eight and three Titans versus the eight and three Browns. Uh take it away here with the Cleveland Browns. They they went up against your Jaguars last week. They did. Uh, they did. And, you know, the Browns are a team that this season, you know, a lot of people haven't... I don't feel like there's been a lot of credit given to the Browns. Obviously, we keep hearing, oh, Baker Mayfield, they, the Browns might need to look towards a different future at the quarterback position. But they're 8-3. and three. They, they are winners. Yeah. They have won game after game this season and might not be doing it by a dominant performances. But at the end of the day... The only thing that matters in the NFL is dubs, and that's what they're getting. Absolutely. And I think, you know, on the back on the back of Nick Chubb, who's just returned, they have a legitimate shot to really take control of their destiny uh, with, with a victory over Tennessee this weekend, if they can pull yeah, that off. Right, and uh, you saw Jarvis Landry heat up last week. Chubb had a a really good game as well, and. Uh, the Browns are eight and three. They're a very quiet eight and three. Um, they're kind of being covered up by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are eleven and zero right now. I feel like, uh, you know, the Chiefs are doing their thing week after week. You got you got teams like the Titans and Colts who have you know kind of been going back and forth for the AFC South lead. Uh, you know, the Bills. Uh, we might have an AFC East champion that isn't the Patriots for the first time in a while. So, you know, I feel like with all this stuff going on in the AFC and just the AFC being as deep as it is this year uh the browns have been swept under the rug a little bit which is weird because you'd imagine the year the browns were eight and three everyone will be looking at the browns and talking about the browns but uh you know you look at the the browns schedule and um it it almost makes sense a little bit why they are being swept so under the rug i mean you know this is a team that is you know they've racked up a lot of close wins and uh you know the three really good teams that they played this year um you know the three well the ravens the ravens loss looking back at week one just hurts even more because we we know the ravens aren't that good so when the browns go up against the ravens on monday night football next week that'll be a good test for the browns but we're focusing on this week uh, they got blown out by the steelers and they only put up six against the raiders i feel like the browns have really struggled to put up points for the most part uh you know they beat the texans 10 to 7 they beat the Eagles 22-17, the Jags 27-25, just a lot of close games in there. So, uh, you know, the Browns, it's thankfully they're winning, but I still feel like they're a little inconsistent yeah. um, just in terms of you don't really know what Browns team you're going to see. And this this is a game against the Tennessee Titans where you can't afford to fall behind because the Titans, I feel like, reestablished themselves in the AFC last weekend. Now, I know DeForest Buckner – was out uh that that made the job a bit easier for the titans but they fired on all cylinders Tannehill threw the ball well aj brown popped off derrick henry had one of his best games of the season and the titans just kind of bounced back after losing three of their last four after a five and oh start they had now beat the ravens last week uh well the week before last week and then the colts on sunday uh and they put up 38 points on a colts defense allowing about 20 points a game and if you're the browns you're going up against the leading rusher in the NFL this week. Uh, you're going up a very strong wide receiver core, uh, and AJ Brown and Corey Davis. Who Corey Davis has finally been having a pretty solid year. Uh, he he had a, a bit of a slow start, um, and you know so the Titans. I feel like 
are gaining some momentum. Uh, they're they're reestablishing themselves after a sluggish uh, middle portion of the year. Uh, and something that I think is interesting is the Browns do have eight wins, but a minus twenty one point differential. Yeah, um, because the games scary. the games they have lost right. have been pretty like yeah thirty eight to six or uh, where's the steal thirty eight to seven. You know what I mean? So the games yep. they have lost have been pretty Three double digit. Losses. Yes. So so it's that's obviously going to bring the the score total yep. down. Yep. Uh, so, but I, I think a key here for the Browns is, um, you know, cause Henry hasn't looked his best every week and the Titans O line has definitely struggled since Taylor Luan got injured. Uh, you can even, you can definitely tell a notice in Tannehill. He completed 50, only 56% of his passes from week seven to week 10. Um, so if the Browns can take advantage of that, uh, you know, maybe contain Henry on first downs and, you know, keep the Titans in second and third and long situations. They can unleash Miles Garrett from there and let him do his thing. I think that would give the Browns a good shot, at least to contain the Titans on defense. Uh, on offense, I don't, you know, I don't think Baker's really going to win any game solely throwing the football. He's got to rely on Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And if you know if it, you know, if both teams are running the football well and it turns into a shootout, uh, the Browns do have that kicker advantage. As Stephen Gostowski has been nothing but inconsistent this year. Um, I unfortunately just don't really see this being a close game. I think the Titans are, uh, you know, heading in the right direction while, uh, you know, the Browns are winning games, but they're winning ugly games against bad teams. And uh, last year when the Browns and Titans got together in week one, it was a 43 to 13 Titans victory. I'm going Titans 30 Browns 14. I just, I, I think the Titans win this one handily. Yeah, I uh, I think you know you mentioned how Derrick Henry is uh, gonna the Browns are gonna have to deal with Derrick Henry, but the Browns' rushing attack if they can really utilize that early on with Nick Chubb, I think that that can give Baker Mayfield some opportunities to yeah. be utilized in play action, be able to get uh, you know Jarvis Landry the ball at points, uh, maybe even head to their tight end uh, in Austin Hooper uh, or Harrison Bryant who have both. Um, you know, they haven't been great this season, but they've both put up um, over uh, right at, I think it's up. Austin Hooper's put up 262. Bryant's put up 164 despite, um, you know, and overall, here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to say. I think the Browns are a team, they try to control the clock. And we see that by some of these 10-7, 22-17 uh, they try to control the clock with their rushing game. They have had points during the season where they can, they've can they scored points against lackluster defenses. But when they play defenses that are a bit better, obviously their strength of schedule hasn't been great, they've shown that they can you know play both sides of the ball. They can play, mm-hmm. they can utilize their that time of possession battle and make it difficult for the opposing team to get in the end zone. They did so against the Colts in a game that I remember you were saying um, was one that you thought the Colts would kind of win handedly because of what the Browns had done to that point in the season. Yeah. However, I think that this game is a bit t- closer than a, a lot of people see. Obviously the five and a half point spread for Tennessee I think it's closer to a three-point game, and I'm going to take Tennessee 24 or 27 to 24 with the Browns have an opportunity to win late. Um, but I just don't see um, them being yeah. able to because they're utilizing that rushing game so often throughout the game. That passing game is going to have to come alive late, and I just don't think it happens. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting, you look at like uh, Indy's loss to the uh, to, to the Browns, and you look at their loss to the Titans. They gave up. 
32 points to the Browns and 45 points to the Titans. Those are two of the highest point totals they've given up on the season. Yeah. Um, and those are, they, you know, Darius Leonard was missing in the Browns game and DeForest Buckner was missing in the Titans game. So when the Browns are missing or when the Colts are missing an anchor on defense, points usually get put up on them. I think that had a big thing to do with the Browns taking that game. And that's kind of something I overlooked going into that game, just how much the absence of Darius Leonard was really going to hurt them. I kind of did the same thing for this game. I thought the Colts were on a roll. I've been, uh, you know, putting the Colts on a bit of a high pedestal, and I thought the Colts would beat the Titans on Sunday. Uh, but the loss of DeForest Buckner proved to be a bit more of that. So I certainly – I don't want to overlook the Browns in this game, but it's just it's just hard to be impressed. I mean, I am oh, yeah. impressed. I am. It's awesome that the Browns are 8-3. and three. I have friends that are Browns fans. You know, they're really happy as they should be. This is a this is an eight and three Browns team. They just clinched their first non-losing season since 2007. I mean, they're gonna make the playoffs. They've made strides, but I just I don't think that I I just I can't trust Baker Mayfield to win to win uh, games for this Browns team. It's got to come from other areas. It's got to come from that rushing attack. It's got to come from Miles Garrett being, uh, you know, a destroyer on the defensive line. Um, I know Denzel Ward has been hurt as well. I don't know if he'll be back for this game, uh, but you know, you know, they, they have pieces around Baker that they can win with. I just, I don't know. I mean, you look at how they performed against the Steelers. You look at how they performed against the Raiders. This is another top dog in the AFC that they're going up against this week. And uh, you know, their schedule has told you that really outside of that Colts game that the Browns struggle a little bit when they go up against some of these more top dogs. And I, I don't know, maybe it will be closer than, 30 to 14, but, uh, you know, at any given Sunday, I think, I think, uh, you know, cause I think the Titans, I the Titans have the Browns at the running back position, you know, as good as Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are Derek Henry is a, a different animal. Uh, I also think the Titans have them at the wide receiver position. I think, you know, I think AJ Brown and Corey Davis beats Jarvis Lantley. If Odell Beckham's injured, I like what the Titans have better. And lastly, uh, you know, you know how I feel about Tannehill. I, I I like Tannehill more than I like Baker. But the thing that's important here is the Titans' injuries on the offensive line. They're gonna have a third string left tackle. That's where this game can be won for the Browns if they can really uh, wreck havoc up there and win in the trenches. Then uh, it it could easily go a different way. But I'm I'm taking the Titans. Gotcha. Yeah, so, I just I I just think that uh, I think the idea that Derrick Henry is going to do world is just going to completely obliterate that uh, Cleveland defense and then Nick Chubb's going to do nothing to that Tennessee defense is kind of it's kind of a stretch I, I think that Nick Chubb has well, ju- almost as as sig- I think he has almost as an impactful game against that Tennessee defense as Derrick Henry does against the Cleveland defense basically kind of I just think that's it's, it's a bit of a uh it's closer than a lot of people I think. don't think I don't think Nick Chubb isn't going to do anything. I think he's going to be the bulk of the Browns offense. I just, you know, yeah, it's a big game. It's a top dog in the AFC. It comes down to Baker and, you know, we're going to have to see, um, gotcha. but that's uh that's Titans Browns. Now we're going to get into a college game that uh, ju- it really just has both of us excited. And really, if you're a college football fan, this should have you excited. So in a shocking turn of events, Coastal Carolina hosting game day this week, supposed to be playing Liberty. Liberty can't go anymore. They got COVID, and BYU was the reported replacement. That's now official. So Conway, South Carolina, Saturday at 5.30, the Brigham Young Cougars ranked 13th. They're coming in to play the 18th-ranked Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. 
Um, just how big of a game is this for both of these programs? And is beating one the other, uh, despite both teams not having, like, does BYU and Coastal Carolina provide that big win that both of these schools are looking for in terms of getting into a New Year's Six victory? Meaning, does B- if BYU wins this game, does that really impress the college football playoff and vice versa for Coastal Carolina? I, who does it? Who, who is it a bigger win for? Coastal Carolina, without a doubt. I agree. I think if I Coastal Carolina can beat BYU, who BYU has looked unstoppable this season on the back of Zach Wilson, who is, um, as you consider him, a future Patriot. But I just think that if Coastal Carolina, who really have just started to come alive as a you know Group of Five powerhouse. Uh, in yeah. really any sport, I mean, uh, you know, they they were solid. They were spectacular in baseball a few like years ago. You can knock off Appalachian State in the Sun Belt. You know, you got something good. Yeah, exactly. And and Coastal Carolina has really just they've started to find their stride in baseball. Now football, yeah. basketball is probably next. It's just they've been they've been great. And adding this game makes it to where uh, I will definitely have my eyes, um, it, despite it being oh, on. Man. Despite I'm not it, missing it. Yeah, despite it being on ESPNU, um, I'm definitely going to be very intrigued, very tuned in um, uh, after the Gator game ends, obviously. But yep. I will be uh, excited for this game to see what Zach Wilson can do, c- to see how uh, Grayson McCall handles uh, BYU defense. Yep. I, and I think the, BYU is a team that Coastal Carolina hasn't seen yet this season. They haven't seen any yep. team like BYU. So if they can put together a performance, if Grayson McCall can continue um, his hot streak and throw a few more touchdowns and you know keep that interception um, number to one, Coastal Carolina has a legitimate shot to take down BYU, and I think yeah. this is one of the biggest games for um, you know BYU has a chance. If Ohio State can't go in the Big Ten championship, BYU could be a team that finds their way into the college football playoff for the I, first I mean, time. I hope. I it, hope. It's not. It's not. I can't say that it's going to happen, but the year of 2020, you got to expect the unexpected. I said that earlier in the show. BYU getting in would not be a stretch if they can continue hot, they can continue winning, and they can beat a Coastal Carolina team who, despite their strength of schedule this season, would still be a ranked win, which would look nice on their resume. Right, and um, this this Coastal Carolina team does have a couple impressive wins, uh, you know, under their schedule this year. Obviously, like I said, taking down Appalachian State was huge. This is an Appalachian State team that has run the conference for years, it feels like. And also that win over Louisiana, um, that that's just looking a bit more impressive now uh, because this is a Louisiana team that took down Iowa State, and Iowa State's probably going to be the Big 12 champion. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for Coastal Carolina to go out there and handle Louisiana like that, I mean – that's that's the ultimate reason they are where they are because they got that game. That was a ranked win. Louisiana was ranked at the time. Coastal Carolina got the upset on a game-winning field goal. So Coastal Carolina has – they also have – and I know it was Kansas, arguably the worst Power 5 school, but they still have a road win against a Power 5 team. Keep in mind, Coastal Carolina has only been an FBS team for four years. This is their fourth year as an FBS team. Um, so, that I you know, at the end of the day, that is, that is impressive. That's impressive for uh, Coastal Carolina to be able to go on the road and take down a power five school in terms of BYU. Um, you know, a lot of people like to say they haven't played anyone uh, and they, they gotten screwed by COVID a little bit. They were going to play army early in the season. 
that got postponed. They had an impressive road win over Houston, I thought. I thought that was a very impressive win. I thought they looked good as a team that day. In Houston, you know, those American Athletic Conference teams can all, always be kind of tough to, to handle. And then they uh, absolutely wiped the floor with Boise State, who had a hot start to their season. So no super huge uh, games on either of these teams' schedules, but uh, I, I would say they have some fairly impressive wins. Uh, and it's going to be an interesting matchup. I just think it's really disrespectful that this is an ESPNU televised game at 5.30. I think uh, 7.30 p.m. on ABC would be more like it. Yeah. I, that's just me I mean, personally. It, it, I, I, I just don't see how it's not. Yeah. I mean, Coastal Carolina is hosting game day this week. And this is this is probably the biggest, like, group of five football game in, you know, maybe ever. I just think the, the the implications of this game are huge. The talent that's going to be showcased on the field, uh, you know, because it's going to be an opportunity. A lot of people are going to be seeing BYU and Coastal Carolina play for the first time, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon, I feel like. And, you know, there's just a lot at stake. Um, so uh, B, BYU hasn't played since uh, November 21st. Uh, so they, they have a bit of a break. And, you know, the Chanticleers are 9-0 for the fourth time or for the first time in history and only their fourth season in the FBS. This is a BYU team that's fourth ranked in offense and fourth in defense. Uh, and, you know, Zach, we talk about how good Zach Wilson is. He's got a good group of receivers to throw to. Uh, and Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney, there. they have been playmakers all season long. And, uh, you know, I think, I think if Coastal Carolina wants to have a chance, it comes down to some of these guys they have on defense like Taron Jackson with eight and a half sacks on the season so there like i said there's just going to be a lot of talent on the field for both these teams and i, th- I think it's going to be a, a really good game um i think i think byu will win i do too uh, as good as as good as coastal carolina has been I, I you know like you said coastal carolina hasn't seen byu yet they haven't seen a team like this yet um wilson really is built different i feel like he's he's gonna he's gonna sling the ball all over the field it's gonna be interesting to see how these uh coastal carolina cornerbacks uh, guys like the Jordan Strong can keep up with, uh, you know, Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney because they're they are just two incredible wide receivers. Um, I I see I see a thirty five twenty four type game. Um, I, I you know I don't think I don't think either team is gonna you know match what they've been doing on offense through most of the season just because it's the toughest game, toughest matchup for both these teams on the season. I think uh, you'll see a by their standards, a bit more of a low-scoring game, but I, I like BYU to win this 35-24. I think it'll be a you know a close game, but BYU's one step ahead most of the time, and uh, they're just going to go out and prove they're the better team, and they're going to make a statement to the college football playoff committee. That, that's what this is about. Yeah, I, and it's it's the same thing for Coastal Carolina. They you know they they really do have a good program built there. Uh, Chadwell's a great coach, and he has this program going in a really nice direction, um, but. I, I think I think ultimately this game is just more important to BYU. You know, um, yeah. I think I think BYU has more to prove in this game. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, whoever wins this game is the one that at least gets a New Year's Six Bowl. And yeah, like you definitely. said, whoever whoever wins this game is gonna be a New Year's Six Bowl. They are going to be. Uh, th- this season will be looked at as one of the best of their program's history. Um, and yep. so there's a lot on the line for each school. However, I do agree. Zach Wilson's just going to be too much for that Coastal Carolina defense. Um, I think he's going to have a day against them. He's going to kind of prove his uh, his status, um, even though it's not again that his he's really going to prove himself in that bowl game. I think that's when it's really going to matter. However, he can 
um, do such, you know, do a little bit for his draft. Yeah. Uh, his, I don't, I don't know exactly what word to use, but it's kind of like a. There's kind of a gap for Zach Wilson simply because he plays for BYU. I feel like that's how it is for any. There was a gap for Carson Wentz. We're seeing that yep. kind of play out now. Uh, there was a gap for Josh Allen because he played at Wyoming. So sometimes these smaller schools, um, their quarterbacks can, can have a bit of a uh, a gray area. And because of that, I think Zach Wilson um, has something to prove against Coastal Carolina, who's a ranked team, and he can make that happen. Okay. I'm going to take BYU yep. 38 to 28. Um, against Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's a good score range. Coastal Carolina will put up points, but BYU is just going to be one step ahead. Grayson McCall, uh, Zach Wilson, it's going to be a phenomenal game. Don't miss it. Uh, and you know, it's interesting because this is a road game for BYU and Coastal Carolina, I know, has been having fans in the stadium. So there will be a bit of an atmosphere there and a bit of a home field advantage, I feel like. But, you know, that's just going to tell us even more about Zach Wilson. You know, how, how does he play in those high-pressure situations? And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Wilson on Saturday night. I'm excited for it. I, I mean, when I heard it was a possibility, I, I just couldn't – I texted you immediately. I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, it, it's just – it's so rare that you see – I feel like I've never seen something like this where a college football game just got put together on the fly like that. Yeah. You know, very last minute. And I think that speaks miles to how important this is for both of these programs. And I, I honestly think, you know, there's no participation trophies and stuff like this, but I really do think that the effort that both of these teams put in to beef up their respective schedules is something that should be noticed by yeah. the college football playoff committee. You know, um, yeah. they didn't have uh, to do this. outside outside of BYU ducking Washington, which I still think BYU beats Washington, but I read into that. I feel like I just feel like the whole thing wouldn't have been very beneficial to BYU. Yeah, uh, because I thought I thought there was stuff in there like Washington could really back out at any time. I don't know. I'd have to reread it, but gotcha. I don't know. There were really there were really two sides to that argument, and there were people who were saying BYU is soft, and then the other side was saying, well, it would have been a bad deal for BYU. So. Hey. This just all depends where you stand. Yeah, uh, I, I I haven't really read into it like that. I just kind of you know. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It would be I, interesting. Just from what I've seen, I've, I was like, oh, they didn't take Washington, which I don't feel like there was a reason to take Washington in general. Yeah, because jo- it's not like Washington's good. Me. It's not like they're right. one of the you know teams that to beat in Pac-12. Obviously, if it was like an Oregon, which lost to Oregon State, if it was like USC, I'd be like, okay, yeah. uh, that yeah. that could have been right. a game. But BYU USC would have been fun. That's something I would like to see. But yeah, no. And Washington fans are all like, BYU's scared. They're dodging us. It's like, dude, honestly, you should probably be thankful <laughs> that you're not like. Uh, I, I just feel like I feel like a lot of the people that trash BYU haven't really watched them play. And, yeah. You know, they they just they have a lot of talent, and they're gonna go out there and prove that Saturday night. Uh, and one last thing, we were talking about it before the show, and for all you listeners. BYU and Liberty share an open day at the end of the season. So keep an eye out there uh, as BYU is probably going to want to add because their, their, their goal these past few weeks has been adding someone to the schedule. And I don't think they want to just stop at Coastal Carolina. Yeah. They want to, uh, they want to see what else they can get. So yeah. uh, college football takes an interesting turn here as we are now gifted an early Christmas gift of BYU versus Coastal Carolina. Pretty cool stuff. Um, where we go from here. Our, our weekly pick them, or are we closing in? Yeah, I, weekly, think, I think we can run, weekly we can run pick, em. pick em real quick. Yeah, weekly pick them is the perfect way to go. Uh, I'll start um, with it. We can. All right. So, um, 
We're going to start with the 1 p.m. games this upcoming Saturday, considering there's no Thursday night game tonight because of, uh, you know, just having to cancel everything. Um, So, to start, Jaguars-Vikings. Got the Vikings, um, you know. The Jags have played some competitive games. They looked pretty good last week with Glendon under center. Maybe you'll kind of see that again this week. It won't be necessarily a blowout, but there will be little things. Like last week, the Jags went for two instead of tying the game. Just like little tiny details that once again tell you, hey, this team's tanking. Um, so I like the Vikings. Whether it's a blowout or it's close, the, the Vikings should walk away victorious. I think the Vikings are on a huge comeback vi- – are coming off a huge comeback victory against the Panthers. Um, I think yes. they are able to utilize the rushing game with Dalvin Cook, even though he might not be 100% healthy, and uh, really gash that Jaguars defense who saw the same thing happen to him last week against Nick Chubb. Um, the Vikings climb back to 600 and keep their chances at a playoff spot alive. Saints, Vol- mm-hmm. Falcons. Saints, easy. I'm taking the Saints as well, even though the Falcons have started to look up um, yeah, with, with Ricardo Allen as, or um, who's their head coach right now. I forget. I can't. Yeah, I can't dang it. Mean, I couldn't. I, they fired Dan Quinn. But yeah, I forget whoever the, the head coach right now um, for. Yeah, I feel so bad. I feel like I'm, I know. Oh, whatever. I'm looking. I'm looking it up right now because okay. I should know it, too. Yeah, it. It says Dan Quinn, but... Um, Raheem, oh, Morris, Raheem Morris. Raheem yeah. Morris. So, yeah. I can't believe I forgot that. Raheem Morris. Uh, they have, they, I mean, they've been winning games. Yeah, they started to look up. I think this game is closer than a lot of people will give it credit for, especially with uh, possibly no Drew Brees yet again. Um, however, yeah, I, mean, I do these think... Two teams, these two teams met two weeks ago, and, it, and, you know, it was 24 to 9. It wasn't necessarily a blowout. The Falcons were in it. And, you yeah. know, maybe if the Saints look sluggish again with Taysom Hill, the Falcons might have a legitimate chance. But yeah. I'm going to go with the saints yeah they're also coming off a huge victory over the raiders though the falcons are yeah so, i mean you know they, they the have they have some momentum so um we'll talk about the raiders next yeah. week but um i'm gonna take the i'm gonna take the saints in a closer game than uh than the three-point spread indicates i think it's gonna be like a one point uh possible will lutz field goal to win it um lions bears okay you know it's a tough one um the Bears have been reeling. The Lions haven't looked great either. Uh, Trubisky's starting. Uh, I, you know, this really is a tough game to pick. I'm going to go with uh, the Lions, though. I'm just going right. to stick with uh, my guys over there. Matt Patricia who just got fired, so maybe they look a bit more inspired this week. We'll see. Yeah, I think they hit that uh, interim coach uh, juice to in the, the right in this game, yeah. and I think the Bears fall to five and seven um browns titans obviously we already picked that both, both matt and i both have the titans him a bit more uh, lopsided me a bit closer however titans for both of us Bengals, dolphins dolphins i'm taking the dolphins as well they continue uh making a case and keeping within that afc east uh title run uh raiders jets uh the raiders they'll bounce back they got their uh their clock rung by the Falcons last week, 43-6. to six, Very uncharacteristic of them. The game ended with Matt Schaub and Nate Peterman on the field. I think you'll see better results from the Raiders against the 0-11 Jets this week. I agree. I think they find their identity. I think they get back to rushing the football with Josh Jacobs and uh, De- Devontae Booker if Jacobs cannot go. Obviously, he's questionable after kind of hurting himself last week. However, I do think he goes. I do think the Raiders are able to really – get away from obviously keying in on Derek Carr as they had to do last week because of falling down early. Uh, I think they kind of take care of the Jets and uh, win a big one on the road um, to bounce back their season. Um, Colts, Texans. I got the Colts. Um, you know, they got pushed around last week and it's going to be a bounce back game for them. Although the Texans are not an easy win. 
wins over the Lions and Patriots in back-to-back weeks. Their season is finally starting to look up a little bit. Maybe they'll go on a run, but um, you know, it's still a tight or a Texans offense that for the most part has struggled. Will Fuller just got suspended for uh for juicing up and I I think the Colts win easily. I think, Not easily. Deshaun Watson always gives the Texans a chance to win, but I'm thinking like 30 to 20, 34, 24. Yeah. I think like at that. the end of the day, uh, the X factor for the Texans and Will Fuller is going to be the difference. If Will Fuller was on the field, I think the Texans win this one because of what they've been able to do in the past few weeks. However, because Will Fuller's not there because of uh, some of the injuries that the Texans have had to endure throughout the season at the wide receiver position, as well as trading away the best pass catcher in the entire NFL in the offseason. Thank you, Bill O'Brien. The Texans will lose this one to the Colts. Rams, yeah. Cardinals. I got the Rams. The Cardinals have been reeling. If it wasn't for the Hail Mary against Buffalo, they'd be on a four-game losing streak right now. Um, you know, uh, you know, we. I think it's time to start questioning, is Cliff Kingsbury the guy there? The talent is there. Uh, but they just haven't been putting it together as of recent. This is a big game for them. The Rams are coming off a loss to the 49ers, but I think that defense bounces back. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, how how well is golf going to play? He's been very inconsistent. If he can play well, get the ball to guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. I like the Rams. I just don't, you know, the Cardinals are reeling right now. And it's, it is a big game. It's a must win for the Cardinals, but I don't think they win it. I think it is a must win for the Cardinals. It's at home. Um, and so therefore I'm going to take the Cardinals um, uh, against the Rams. Giants, Seahawks. Uh, upset of the week here. The Giants are now in the playoff uh, picture. They are back in first place in the AFC East, tied with the Redskins, but they beat the Redskins twice, so they have that tiebreaker. So now from this point, it's all about can the Giants hang on. And I'm not 100% sure of Daniel Jones' status for this week, but I'm I'm thinking he might be out. So uh, Colt McCoy in that case would be the starter. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if Colt McCoy is the type of guy you want to see uh, on the first place Giants in, in December football. If you're the Seattle Seahawks, New York football Giants might come out and upset the Seahawks and not look that good against the Eagles on Monday night. So, um, and the, I, the Seahawks are just weird to me. You know, after that really good start to the season, they lost three of four. Um, they had a they had a pretty, uh, you know, a win over the Cardinals, which we thought kind of reestablish the Seahawks, but now looking at how the Cardinals have kind of been, eh, I'm not really so sure. Then they come out and kind of lay an egg against the Eagles. If it wasn't for the incompetence of Carson Wentz, they might not have won. Um, And this is a Giants team that's trying to seal the deal and clinch this NFC East. So um, I'm taking the Giants on Sunday. You know, we got to keep in mind just how bad the Seahawks defense has been. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a stretch, but I'm taking the Seahawks. I don't think it's the 10 point spread, but I do think the Seahawks come away with the big one and Russell Wilson kind of bounces back. Packers, Eagles. Packers, easy. They have yeah. been, uh, they had a good bounce back win after that loss to the Colts. They made the Bears look like absolute trash, which is nothing new if you're a Packer fan, nothing new if you're a Bears fan. Um, yeah, I, I like, you know, the Eagles just, the Eagles just suck. So, yeah, I got the Packers. I'm taking the Packers simply because they have a bad man at the quarterback position in Aaron yep. Rodgers. So, therefore, Packers are going to win this one, and they're going to win big. Patriots-Chargers. Yeah, I mean, uh, Patriots found themselves in a similar situation against the Texans two weeks ago. They were 4-5 and five with a chance to get to 500 with a, you know, 
a team that's kind of at the bottom of the charts in terms of records. They lost to the Texans. They beat the Cardinals last week. Now they have another opportunity to get to 500 against the three and eight Chargers. Um, you know, it's not. It's by no means going to be an easy win for the Patriots. The Chargers put up fights with uh, seemingly everyone that they go up against. But at the same time, Justin Herbert, I feel like after a pretty hot start to the year, is kind of simmered down a little bit. And if you're a, a rookie kind of about to enter a cold streak, I don't really think Belichick is the guy you want to see. He, he just has such a history of being able to take care of, you know, some of those younger QBs. So I think uh, – I think the Patriots put together a good performance this week. They got a little bailed out last week against the Cardinals. Uh, that Cam Newton penalty towards the end of the game was a little sketchy, and just on top of that, Cam Newton didn't play well at all. So they're super fortunate to escape that Cardinals game with a win. Um, I think I think they put together a better performance this week and beat the Chargers with the season on the line. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to take the Patriots as well. However, I will like to see Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler get theirs um, as I look to remain at three losses. That's what scares me. Yeah, that's what scares me. Austin Eckler being back. I yeah. mean, I just don't really know uh, how the Patriots kind of match up with with that. Yeah. Uh, also, Hunter Henry is going to be an interesting matchup, but we'll see. Um, there's a lot. There's more on the line in this game for the Patriots than there is the Chargers. And Belichick's got a good history of uh, beating rookie QBs, so yeah. I think I think we have a bit more going in our favor. But we'll Absolutely. see. You know, yeah. nothing's guaranteed. You even texted me. It's like, dude, the Patriots make no sense. They always beat a good team than lose to a bad one. So. <laughs> You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Chiefs Broncos on Sunday Night Football. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna go into it. The Chiefs. It's there's nothing to say. The Chiefs are just better. Yeah. There. Yeah. There really is nothing to say. Um. I don't know. I don't really know how it's a Sunday Night game. I think. Uh. You know, we got the Titans eight and three, and the Browns eight and three going at it at one o'clock, while the four and seven Broncos get the spotlight in Sunday Night Football. Hey, I mean, I don't get it, but that's the way it is. Um. Chiefs by a lot. Yeah. And that's being generous. All right. Steelers, what football team? Steelers football team. It's going to be the Steelers. Um, You know, the Steelers kind of like the Browns are coming away with these sluggish games. And you could argue the Steelers are overrated. You can argue the Browns are overrated. But at the end of the day, they are where they are. They're winning the games on their schedule. This is going to be no different. Um, You know, the football team has put together some impressive performances. They had a big win over Dallas last week. I think Pittsburgh should be a little concerned with the fact that, um, you know, and Mike Tomlin was certainly, he certainly had some stuff to say about it. Uh, They just didn't play well yesterday against the Ravens and they dropped a lot of passes. And uh, thankfully their offense was able to stay on the field in that final three minutes or else, uh, you know, there, you know, there was a legitimate shot that Trace McSorley drives down the field and pulls off the upset. So, um, you know, nothing's come easy for the Steelers this year. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, the, the football team is in a position where they have to fight to win the division. And, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. But I expect the Steelers to win. I agree. I think the Steelers being 11-0, um, they're not going to be derailed by a Washington football team. is 4-7. and seven. Um, You know, you mentioned their struggles on Wednesday night. They were also playing on Wednesday night. So, like, it, it's it, right. it's kind of expected. We saw that a few uh, weeks ago with the Bills playing on a Tuesday. Just weird circumstances throughout this season that have caused some sloppy, sloppy games. Um, therefore, I think we're going to have to take um, the Steelers in this game to be able to continue their winning streak to start the season and move to 12-0. Bills 49ers. I got the Bills, although I think the Niners are heading in the right direction. They got a lot of guys back last week like Debo Samuel and Raheem Moster, and I think uh, Brandon Ayuk will be back this week. Um, so it'll be an interesting game. The Bills have to go back to Arizona where they lost that game on the Hail Mary, so there might be a little bitter taste in their mouth. But, um, you know, the Bills are 
Uh, you know, the Bills are one week out from a big Sunday night football matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. So uh, if you're the Bills, you want to go into that game with a win, especially with the Steelers playing Washington. They'll probably be advancing to 12-0. and 0. Uh, You know, Buffalo wants to match the momentum heading into that game. So I, I, got, I got the Bills against the Niners. I'm definitely not saying the Bills need to overlook the Niners by any point. Because uh, we all know what happens when you overlook a team in preparation of another one. It happened to the Steelers in 2017. They were so looking forward to playing the Patriots in the AFC Championship that they uh, completely forgot about the Jags. There's Brandon flexing, and then the Jags said you could play him on EA Madden NFL all <laughs> offseason long. Which uh, that came that came up on like CBS Sports yesterday. Their Instagram account they posted that, and I forgot about it. And I, I didn't I didn't realize how much I needed that. Just. <laughs> Just seeing, just seeing like the Jaguars Twitter page, uh, like Duval, and it says you can play them on EA Madden all out. Just, just a cold, cold burn by the Jags there over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but yeah, so you don't want to overlook the Niners, but I think the Bills take it. Yeah, I'm taking the Bills. I will like to see that Stephon Diggs, Richard Sherman. He's another guy that returned last week. Um, I, I would like to see that matchup um, for them. And then finally, to wrap out this, to end this week. Um, and week 13 is a Tuesday night game um, at 8.05 between the Ravens and the Cowboys. The Ravens get yet another funky game uh, a Tuesday, but they'll likely have their guy at the helm and Lamar Jackson back and won't have to trot out Trace McSorley. So who are you taking in this one? Um, you know, the Ravens aren't a guaranteed win at this point, but they're going to have to get a win eventually to turn their season around. Uh, you know, the Cowboys got swept by the Redskins, who they're chasing in the division. I just, you know, it's it's going to be tough for the Cowboys. I think their season continues to derail. I, I like the Ravens. The Ravens will get back on track. They need it. They need it badly. I think so, too. I think we definitely see the Ravens take care of the Cowboys. Um, and, I, you know, it is uh, – this is a weird game. And I, I – obviously the Cowboys have been – atrocious this season i think they we, they show a lot of what they did last thursday against washington and the ravens uh you know they can hold on for a bit early but the ravens kind of separate themselves late yeah so yeah absolutely so yeah that's so I uh think, i think we're wrapping up here at sunshine state yeah. takes um little uh little preview for next week though some good games coming up in the nfl patriots rams on thursday night you got the Chiefs going into Miami to pay, to face the potential eight and four Dolphins. That could be a potential game of the week. Vikings Bucks. We'll see what the Vikings do this week. That could be a good one. And lastly, Sunday night football next week. Steelers Bills. Going to be a huge game. Yeah, we'll have it all for you next week, as well as what goes on in the college football world. But yeah, I think that about does it for today. Good yeah. show, a bit of a longer episode, but you know, we just wanted to catch up, uh, you know, make up some lost ground and give a little extra content. So absolutely, I think, it went, I think it went well. Absolutely, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for obviously uh, keeping us in your hearts during throughout this 2020, especially to the yeah. people that uh, we appeared on their Spotify Wrapped. Um, uh, I just wanted to wish everyone a belated Happy Thanksgiving, as uh, we weren't able yeah. to get a show in last week. Um, uh, you know. I have been someone that's struggled a bit in 2020 with some things that have gone on, but um, it's just important to remain thankful of the things that are here, the things that, um, you know, we are able, the the people that are surrounding us, the things that, you know, we have that uh, there are a lot of people that do not. Um, And, you know, even through times of trial, times of turmoil, it's always important to remain um, in, uh, remain positive and remain uh, in the, in the fact that uh, there are still things, you know, to, to strive for and to really um, go out and grasp, grasp, 
So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that real quick. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll see you next yeah. time.